1: www.thebiblelive.com
2: or mail your check for the Bible Live to PO Box 1888. That's PO Box 1888, San Antonio, Texas 78218.
0: Welcome to the Bible Live quiz hour. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar.
3: Hi, Jacob. What's up over there? Hey, qué pasó, vato? Hey, well, we're we're very, uh, very... Inter-ethnicities here tonight. This is The Bible Live. This is Soapy Dollar. My good friend Jacob uh, is there, and we are about all things biblical for the next hour and a half. We'll be talking about this book of books. Uh, You could not overstate the influence of this book, the Bible, 66 books written by over a period of 1,500 years, 40 different authors. You could not overstate the impact of this book on human history particularly and especially but not exclusively at all and and frankly even increasingly it goes way beyond uh, the boundaries of just Western Europe and and into America uh, because of the last 100 200 300 years of of, of mission activity and taking the scriptures to India Mongolia Did did you know that all the unreached people groups uh, it has been stated by missiologists, uh, there are no more unreached people groups in the world. Just is 20 years right? ago, there were, there were a good number, uh, it, it, what they call the 1040 window and so on. But the unreached people groups have been eliminated. Now the idea is to expand <clears throat> the, the, I know the Campus Crusade for Christ or Crew, as it's called across the United States have given on a different now mission statement for their their goal is not that everybody in the world hear the gospel message anymore it's that every everybody in the world all 7 over 7 billion people uh the mission statement is that campus crusade wants to work itself and with other uh mission agencies and churches with with other congregations and missionaries mission uh agencies They want to work toward the objective that everybody, every individual on planet Earth would know somebody, a personal acquaintance would know somebody in their circle of friendships and relationships who truly knows and follows Jesus Christ. So it's gone beyond the idea of planting the seed in every people group now to – the idea now is to uh, expand the understanding of the gospel through every – people group by people in that people group that's uh, that's the understanding it's not a matter of foreign missionaries, go, missionaries going to take the message now it's a matter of finding uh discipling and building and resourcing and uh, people in every mission group i i um interestingly uh, on this topic i i went to mongolia in the early 90s three different trips and times that when mongolia there were no believers in mongolia at all uh we went in and after when the when the uh, what is it the, the 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 Russian Wall the 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 um, Soviet Empire began to crumble and door, the walls came down and some of the uh, republics began to uh, separate from uh, the Russian you know satellite of countries and so on. Well, uh, Mongolia was one of those countries that had been held pretty much. Uh, under the the influence of uh, Russia and of course Red China as well, but they opened up their doors and for the first time in seventy seventy five years, missionaries were able to go in and and to be able to share the message of the of the gospel and begin. Uh, there were just a handful of even believers, and I literally mean you know a, a less than ten in the whole country. And uh, I was privileged to go in with that those groups in the early nineties. <clears throat> three different times. And now, uh, just this uh, conference just about four or five months ago, Jacob, I went up to Pennsylvania to attend one of our crew military conferences, and I met a Mongolian man there. He's a military officer in Mongolia mm. who uh, who was – we got to talking and reminiscing about those early days, and he was a young man that uh, saw the Jesus film that you know we were showing in that era, and he came to know uh, Christ and committed his life to Christ at that time, and uh, and uh, now he's he's in the in Mongolian military, but he's been he was given permission now, to do attend. You speak Mongolian? No, <clears throat> no. Did he speak English? He spoke uh, English.
4: Yeah,
3: that's right <clears throat> I'd say two words. I, I kept telling him my two words in Mongolian: uh-huh. Chigere and barontik. That means left and right. (laughs) That's Uh, I knew how to tell the taxi driver. Chigare, chigare, varontik, varontik. So those are my two words. But anyway, so I speak Mongolian. Yes, I'm fluent with my two words. He said I pronounced them very well. (laughs) But anyway, it was interesting. Now he is joining the staff of. Campus Crusade in Mongolia. There is oh, a staff wow. team, and he's going to be working with the military people in Mongolia uh, as a Mongolian. You know, he doesn't have to have a translator. He doesn't have to have. You know, know the cultural cues. You know, learn them. Right. He's so that's the that's kind of the idea. That uh, uh, it was thrilling, really, to for him for us to be able to sit and talk and reminisce about those good old days back when it just all started. Now there are hundreds of congregations and tens of thousands of believers all across the country. It's it's it really is amazing that, to see how. Yeah, you get a little bit of a sense about the the New Testament times as the gospel kind of spread across the Roman Empire. You know, just sort of like a wildfire spreading across. It's pretty amazing. But anyway, what am I? What am I even talking about? Uh, Uh, I don't know. It was interesting. I got off uh, actually. Actually, I must say, I woke up several times and found it interesting. (laughs) Good time. Well, we're talking about the Bible for this night, and that that old book that. Uh, folks, this, this book explains, uh, the human situation, the human life, human experiences, uh, clearly and tells a clear, uh, understandable, logical presentation about what is really going on on planet Earth, about the Creator, uh, who the Creator is, what the Creator is like, uh, the redemptive plan of God for, for the human race. This book, it's got it it from beginning to end it's all about that and uh we're not so interested in your religiosity or religious background oh that's fine we're all members of our different backgrounds in terms of uh church or congregation or religion that we attended that we grew up with and so on but what we're really focused on here right jacob is what we really are on a great search for and a reminder of people about the truth we're not we're just, the focus is the book itself what it says what it means when it says it we, we, we go into to um, some of the original languages Jacob and Jacob in particular understands and uh, does a lot of research in the in the um, language the Hebrew the Greek languages uh, I've spent uh, Many decades uh, studying the book, teaching the book, uh, carrying it's that message. It's all greek to me. All. <laughs> it's all greek to no, just half of it, right? Uh, the the Christian part. You uh, say yeah. as you say. But anyway, that's what we are, folks, and we want you to be able to really, really get into this book and understand this book, what this book is saying. Uh, and uh, so give us a call during this entire 90-minute time now. You can call us at 210-340-9585. Uh,
4: wait a minute. I'm writing that down. What was that
3: number? 210 is the area code, 340 uh. 340- Ninety-five, eighty-five, ah, and okay, you can okay. call us, ask a question, answer a question. Ah. We'll be bringing up thoughts, yeah. our readings this past week. If you listen at nine thirty uh, on this station uh, every weeknight, Monday through Friday, you'll hear uh, a fifteen to twenty-minute reading from the scriptures. <clears throat> and if you regularly listen each evening, every year we make our way through the entire Bible, and so you could join us on that journey. Through the Bible every year. Uh, it's not a commentary. It's not a read a verse here and have a, a sermon. Is it in Mongolian mm-hmm. or English? It's in Apache, uh, <laughs> Apache English. How's that?
4: I can. That's okay. Uh, yes, English I, with I an Apache accent. I know a couple of
3: words in, in Navajo. <clears throat> really? Yes, I do. What the hey and
4: what else? No, what the hey shakish. Okay, what the you hey know what that means? Shikish
3: uh what's going on grandpa grandpa okay <laughs> <laughs> all right i didn't know grandpa i everybody knows a little bit of navajo they're, they're the yeah. ones that have their language written down uh, and yeah, they have yeah. a grammar and a whole thing and Not they many people know in world Apache. war II, you know do what they saved us in World War Two. That's right. Remember the, the what is it, the the wind wind talkers the wind talkers. That's right.
4: And the Germans couldn't break the code because they didn't have anybody who could speak Navajo. Uh,
3: nor nor the Japanese for that matter. Other uh, Japanese that's too. Where they were involved. Uh, okay, so we we uh, we we were reading this past week the Gospel of John. We read chapters ten through twenty one. And on Friday we we finished up the Gospel of John and on Friday we returned to the Tanakh to the Hebrew scriptures the Old Testament and we started we read the first 3 chapters of the book of 1 Kings. but well, what we plan on doing tonight, and of course you can change our plans by calling in with your comment, your question, your thought. You can pick any book of the Bible, any theme, and something. Anything? We'd be glad to talk with you about Anything it. at all? I think so, from a oh. biblically based.
4: Oh, okay. Stay within well, what the... what I was wondering is, did you know what next <clears> Sunday is?
3: I do believe I know what's next uh, Sunday what is. It? It's a Resurrection Sunday, right? Isn't no, it? it's,
4: what, uh, it's what people call Easter
3: Oh, yeah, I've kind of stopped using the word Easter for some reason. I just call it Resurrection Sunday. Okay. But okay, Easter's fine. This yeah. is an unusual year because – Today is Palm Sunday, what it's called, right? right?
4: yes. Uh, I guess it is, yes. You'd when know more about Jesus, that than I would.
3: Yes. Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem, uh, oh, yeah, and they, they laid the yeah. palms in front of him uh, and said, uh, Hosanna, here comes the one in the name of the Lord. And, and so he spends his last week now uh, in – uh, Jerusalem, and then he comes uh, right. Passover, he's arrested, he's Speaking tried. Speaking
4: of Passover, this year, this year, uh, it's it doesn't always occur like this, but this year it does. Passover, <coughs> the first full day of Passover is Saturday. <coughs> it actually begins at sunset Friday night. Mm-hmm. Ah, so you got Passover, and then I guess you're calling it Resurrection mm-hmm. Sunday? mm mm-hmm. oh, okay. oh, Or Easter, that's or Easter, fine. Easter, okay, well... But, yeah, so you've got – isn't that interesting? It's all this weekend. Oh, really? Now, so I think that maybe, since we're doing the book of John, maybe we could, you know, out of respect for Easter and the Christian listeners, So maybe. Passover
3: doesn't always fall three days before Easter? Mm. Because Easter moves around, doesn't it? Yes. Change, uh-huh. It's not like the same date every year. No, no, no. It's, um, uh, the
4: date, D-A-T-E, of Passover is always the same. But Easter but,
3: moves, I see. Yeah.
4: So, but Yeah, so the date – uh Passover will always be the same, but if it's Monday this year, let's say, it'll be Tuesday next year, Wednesday the year after that. But the date stays the same, but then until you get to the end of the uh, uh, eighth day, and then it has to skip, and so it catches up. But it will always, it occurs like usually Hanukkah and Christmas usually occur pretty close
3: together. But the year that Jesus, uh in, in the year, last year of Jesus' life, let's say in the, So, the Gospel of John, you have the triumphal entry and so on. On that year, Passover fell on that uh, Saturday? No, Uh, that Friday. That
4: Thursday. Actually, I believe that it would, yet, that I believe it occurred, uh, what you'd call starting at sunset. Wednesday night, which would be biblically Thursday, Thursday uh-huh. and then you got Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at sunset.
3: Mm-hmm. I believe a year year That was what. That was the situation the year that uh, particular that's year. That's what I understand. Interesting. And in Interesting. fact, uh, do you have a Bible? I do have a Bible. Uh, um, look at look at since we're I, I, is I that, have to dust it off and find it somewhere. Uh, well, okay. well, <laughs> no, here, I've got my Bible right here. It's actually it, it, in is our
4: readings tonight.
3: A well-worn Bible. It's yes.
4: in our readings. Take a look at oh. John ten twenty-two.
3: My my Bible just fell. Hang on. Your
4: Bible fell. <laughs> you know, if you drop a Bible in a Jewish setting, you know, you know what you got to oh, do. Oh, I know. You got to uh, pick it up and kiss it and
3: apologize and all oh, that. Oh well, that's uh, nice. Oh man, the insides fell out. My grandson. I told you this destructive oh, little buddy.
4: Oh my goodness.
3: He, he. Yeah, but it's he, all right. He's I already love him an anyway. editor at his age. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. You said the Gospel of John. What do you want me to look 22. at? 10-22. Take a look at that one. What? And,
4: where? And it's in our portion that we're reading tonight. What chapter? Ten twenty-two.
3: Okay. Yeah. You actually chose a portion that's in our reading. Yeah. Really? Ma- imagine that. How about you?
4: Uh, would okay. you like to hear, while you're looking it up, would you like to hear my Peter Laurie invitation? No. Oh, okay.
3: Do uh, you want me to read this? Well, sure. Okay. Ten twenty-two. It was now winter, and Jesus was in Jerusalem at the time of Hanukkah, the festival of dedication. Wow. Or the Festival of Lights, they yes, call it sometimes. Uh-huh. He was in the temple walking through the section known as Solomon's Colonnade. The people surrounded him and asked, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Now, are you going to tell me what you've already told us many times, that Jesus uh, uh, recognized the Fe- Festival he of Lights, Hanukkah? Yes, he seems to keep Hanukkah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, well, you've told us that before, but it's a good thing to note. And uh, not everybody listens every Sunday, perhaps. Maybe they missed it that time. And
4: Hanukkah is on a Jewish month on the 25th day. And if you go back, it's a festival of lights. (laughs) And the word lights in the Hebrew is the 25th word in Genesis. Whoa, how about
2: that?
3: Oh, wow. The funny things it's you like know. almost like somebody planned that. The amazing things you know. I, But I think it's interesting what Jesus said to them. How long are you going to keep us in suspense if you are the Messiah? Tell us plainly. He had already told a number of people very plainly and very straight up front that who he was. Now, of course, the crowd is talking to him. And listen to what Jesus says. Now, what verse is that? 25. 25. I'm okay. just following on from ah, I what see. I just I read. See. Okay, okay. If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus ah. replied, I have already told you and you don't believe me. Ah. The proof is the work I do in my Father's name, but you don't believe me because you are not my sheep. Uh My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. Uh I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me, for my Father has given them to me and he is more powerful than anyone else. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Remember that topic we talked about last week? Yes, we did. In fact, when I first read the the
4: the New Testament, I went through Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and I got to John. And when I started reading John, it talks about, this is the first miracle. I'm thinking, man, this thing is all messed up. I've just read three other books. He's done all kinds of miracles. What are you talking about? (laughs) But then I get down here, and I realized from this passage that he kept Hanukkah, and I always said, I don't know if he liked people very much, but this man was nuts about sheep. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Well, that's good. That's good. I like that. I, I, my father's direction, okay, they at once they picked up stones to kill him for saying the father and I are one, Uh-oh. and and then they say we're not stoning you for any good work you've done, but for blasphemy, you a mere man claiming to be God. Ah, isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? I see.
4: So they uh, took it that way, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Now, there's a passage that rarely gets quoted, quoted in the, as I perceive it in the christian world but i mean there it is it seemed
3: that they took it that way didn't they 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 understood what he was saying i think uh Although, tonight, let, let me kind of set the stage for tonight, what we kind of would like to, in general, talk about. We can talk about anything, folks. If you'd like to give us a call, if you have a question about the Scriptures, if you have a question about what it means to know and walk with God and know Him and have a confident, secure relationship with the Creator, uh, anything like that you'd like to talk and discuss from any different book of the Bible, that for that matter. But we have focused, in general, on Sunday night, we focus on the re, the passages that we read the week before. Last week, Jacob and I kind of had a little wrestling match here about, we talked about Essentially, I don't know. We are wrestling. I, you were Muhammad Ali,
4: and I was running around the ring. I remember the <laughs> the the poem by Muhammad Ali. Do you remember that poem?
3: Uh, floating like a butterfly, and stinging like a bee, whatever that. Okay, something. it goes out. And
4: this, I'll do this in my impersonation of Muhammad okay, Ali. because
3: really, you're like Muhammad Ali. Uh, yeah, it's like, I float just like, like a, him, only yeah, different. Yeah,
4: yeah. I float like a butterfly, and I sting like a bee. In the ring, you can run, but you cannot hide from me.
3: <laughs> and I was running. That's pretty good, actually. I had to confess that was good. Well, anyway, the the point is, last week we talked a little bit about that. The, that was not Peter Lorre I'm okay. sorry. We talked about the theology of the book. We talked because God, uh, as we mentioned, John, the Gospel of John, it, he does in some ways he's more theological than Matthew, Mark, or Luke. Each of them have their theme. They each of them have their the general direction. Uh, with which they discuss the life of Jesus the Messiah here, but so John he opens up with it in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the same was in the beginning with God, all things were be created by him, all nothing was made without him, and so on, and he goes on and the Word became flesh, so we talked a little bit about uh, john 's presentation about the Godhead, about the the God of the Bible. And we talked about the whole idea of the Trinity, the understanding, the the plurality and the Godhead, and so on. And it was a a little tussle back and forth, but trying to kind of help get the understanding: of what does the the Bible actually say? about the creator, what, this, the God of the Bible, what what does it say about him? So, we, we discussed that. We're not going to go back to that theme unless somebody actually wants to ask a question, but tonight we're going to focus on what is called Christology in terms of uh, theological understanding. We're going to talk about the nature of the Messiah. Uh, what he was like uh, wh- wh- what is your understanding if you could get in the skin of Jesus and get in his mind and understand what was it like to be Jesus of nazareth what what did he know what didn't he know how did he know it uh you know we we want to try to get a sense of an accurate sense of wh- what his life was like now we understand from the scriptures that uh, he was God. He was indeed God incarnate. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But He did not come to earth to prove that He was God. I mean, either look at this. What do you think about this statement, Jacob? Is that, if, is that number twenty-seven? Uh, I don't know. I'm not going by the numbers oh, right okay, now. Okay. This this very moment. But I'm um, the idea. I would say is that Jesus. This man, this person we know as Jesus of Nazareth, we saw about his birth, and we met him again when he was 12 years old, and we saw him when he began his ministry uh, as he approached age 30, somewhere 29 or so. And so we understand uh, that this person was God incarnate. Now, we don't know what that means Uh, We also understand from Scripture that he voluntarily left off the free exercise of his divine prerogatives. In other words, his initiatives and prerogatives, his authority as God, he voluntarily left off the free exercise of his divine prerogatives and authority. He himself says in the Gospel of John a number of times, I do nothing of myself. I can do nothing of my own initiative prerogative authority and and power i only do what the father shows me to do tells me to do enables me and leads me to do so he his job as the messiah was to live a life of total perfect submission to the father to god the father so he was to live the perfect life of faith so that he could be our mediator he could be our redeemer our savior now he did not come to planet Earth to prove he was God. That wasn't his perp- he came to live out the life of a perfect man. Um, now he did have an understanding of who he was. He knew that he was God, that incarnate. But my question is, how did he know it? Um, a lot of people believe that he was, you know, like Superman. He was in his Clark Kent costume all the time, but he knew that he was really Superman. And that Jesus always knew with it, you know that he either could mem- he could remember when he sat at the throne back in heaven with the angels all around and he had this memory and he knew it that way. My contention is, folks, and you can call me in and think about this and and ask. I think Jesus was a normal little baby boy, a Jewish boy. From the time he was a fertilized egg on the wall of Mary's womb to the time he he was uh, birthed. And and then he was a poop baby, uh, diaper pooping and crying and little baby. And then he was a little toddler. Then he was a young boy uh, playing with other kids out in the neighborhood and so on. I believe he was just a normal, natural, normal uh, little Jewish boy. Obviously, though, his mom and dad told him about his identity, who he was. They told him about the angels and the shepherds and the star and so on, the the trip down to Egypt. Remember, they left. They had to flee for his life when he was two or three years old and go down into Egypt and come back. So he he got this information. He was studying the, the Torah like all Jewish boys did. And he was seeing all the Messianic prophecies. Time time I, mean, I tell you, I, I, I didn't mean to take up the whole segment. But the point is, is that I, my contention, he was a normal, but he understood who he was from faith in the testimony of his parents and in the Tanakh, in the scriptures. And by faith, he stepped into the role of the Messiah. By faith, he knew the things he knew about his identity and about his, his role, what he was to do. And he had a growing understanding of that because he was a man who really knew the Scriptures. So that's kind of where I'm jumping from. And I'd like for us tonight to talk a little bit about Jesus, who he was, what was his life experience. And if you have some thoughts on it, we'd love to hear from you. But don't go away. We'll be right back.
2: Our companionship with Jesus is tighter when we love each other and obey His commands. Hi, and welcome to another word of encouragement from our daily bread. I'm so glad you joined us. Today's reading is titled, The Marks of Friendship, and it was written by Lawrence D'Armani. As a little boy growing up in Ghana, I enjoyed holding my father's hand and walking with him in crowded places. He was both my father and my friend, for holding hands in my culture is a mark of true friendship. Walking along, we would talk about a variety of subjects. Whenever I felt lonely, I found consolation with my father. How I valued our companionship. The Lord Jesus called his followers friends in John 15, and he showed them the marks of his friendship. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you he said, even laying down his life for them. He showed them his kingdom business. He taught them everything God had given him, and he gave them opportunity to share in his mission. As our companion for life, Jesus walks with us. He listens to our heartaches and our desires. When we're lonely and downhearted, our friend Jesus keeps company with us. And our companionship with Jesus is tighter when we love each other and obey His commands. As we obey His commands, we will bear fruit that will last. Walking through the crowded alleys and dangerous roadways of our troubled world, we can count on the Lord's companionship. It's a mark of His friendship. Today's encouragement was provided by Our Daily Bread Ministries.
0: Remember when there was a radio in every room in the house? Well, those days are back. And thanks to Alexa, you can listen to us anywhere. Find out how you can get AM630 The Word through Alexa by going to
1: am630theword.com. Hey, this is Bob Olesheski. Thanks for listening to Plug In. The buzz for L.A. teen singer Billie Eilish is pretty incredible. And her new album, When We Fall Asleep, Where Do We Go?, may well be one of the biggest releases of this year. Why don't you run me? What are you The catchy confessional and well-crafted songs of this young singer can be somewhat lyrically hazy. Do her dark themes intend to glamorize or give caution? It's not always easy to tell. Parents of teen listeners, especially those already grappling with depression or suicidal thoughts, should take care. Please read the full review of this album and its messages at pluggedin.com/slash radio. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I'm Bob Walaszewski for Focus on the Families Plugged In.
0: Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There, you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com.
4: Christ is made the sure foundation. Christ the head and cornerstone Chosen of the Lord and precious Binding all the church in one Holy in Zion's help forever And her
0: confidence
2: This temple, where we call you. Come on. Soapy Dollar.
1: This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
3: All right. Get enough people to tell you that you're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. And Jacob, by the way, alongside us today. We're looking at the Gospel of John. If you'd like to t- ask us, it's a. I. I have to say, I like the Gospel of John an awful lot.
4: I, you know, I got that impression last yeah, week.
3: It's very <laughs> theological. It, it gives us more information, yeah. I think, about God and about yeah. the Messiah, yeah. the nature of God, and so on. So uh, you can give us a call if you'd like to. We're going to talk about the Messiah. And I was asking Jacob before we took the break, and during the break here we continued talking, that there were there were evidently among the Jewish people that lived in that first century there in first century Israel and, and Jer- Jerusalem and so on evidently there was a a a, a, a wide spectrum of expectations mm-hmm. about the messiah some expected a military political leader to liberate them from from uh Roman domination mm-hmm others had more i guess you have mentioned the idea that all these questions that the sanhedrin that the the pharisees and the sadducees they weren't necessarily all bad intention it looks like some of them were By
4: all these questions we have our choice we can say one they just did not understand two they were just a bunch of dummies or three and i'm going to suggest this is the answer is they were doing exactly what they're supposed to do. If a guy shows up and he says, I'm the Messiah, if you don't have the Old Testament, the Tanakh, if you don't have that and a guy shows up and says, hey, I'm the Messiah, people are going to scratch it and say, what's that? Yeah. So they don't know this, but they have that.
3: They have the Tanakh. They have the Torah. They have the Scriptures. So he shows up.
4: And so if a guy showed up, suppose a guy called us tonight, and he says, hey, by the way, I want you to know I just got back, I'm the Messiah what would you do? I'd ask him
3: if he's been here before. Uh, you, asked, well, that's my question. That's your question. Yeah, you
4: stole my thunder. Yeah. Uh, but, no, okay, I get it. But, but So they're supposed to ask him questions, but there's an implicit thing in that. The implicit thing is, is that they would know the correct answer. If they gave an answer, how are they going to know if it's right or wrong? That's right. So... And in fact, in the book of John, as we were talking about it before the show, there is what I am going to offer. See, miracles are, from the Jewish point of view, is, and I think Jesus says even in Matthew 24, 24, I recall that. Don't verse, believe says, me for the miracles. No, that's yeah. right. He's saying, look, because if a guy shows up from another planet on earth and he can do all kinds of things I can't do, I, I, I could be deluded by the miracle, in fact, uh, the Pharaohs, m- magicians in Egypt, mm-hmm. they could do miracles. They
3: replicated. What was yeah, it? The turning the staff into right, serpent. Sure. Yeah,
4: they de- they were not able. They didn't seem to be unable to or do to undo something, but they could match it. So miracles, as Jesus warned, as I read, he says, don't just rely on the miracles. So there's something else we got to know. Well, I think the answer is in Deuteronomy 13 and 18. Okay. And that tells us he better know the Bible better than you. And there's a second standard. If he says, let's worship a different God, no matter if he's right or not, then he's not the Messiah. Now, that's what it says. Mm-hmm. So if you were raised with that idea, then you're going to start asking questions like, who are you? What's this about? Tell I don't know if you you can tell me anything about heaven. I don't know. You don't, how do I know if you tell me truth, but I can tell if you get the bible right
3: okay so for some people that was the tell that was the that was the indicator that they were looking for right. is that the messiah would know the scriptures he would know the torah mm-hmm. he would teach torah to to his followers and listeners and that he would uh he would have an understanding and and quite often they were there were people who asked questions and heard his, and they were very impressed right. with jesus' answers and so on well, and Jesus actually goes and i 'm
4: going to suggest that they 're doing exactly they 're not a bunch of dummies now i 'm going to point out something because I spent months going over this and I was corresponding with a very knowledgeable old rabbi in Israel mm-hmm. and he helped me do it and I used butcher block paper and I went through all the gospels uh-huh. now there's one thing we noticed. There is one group, one group that Jesus never argues or fights with.
3: Mm. Ding, 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 ding. He never argues or fights. Uh And it's one
4: of those things you don't catch because he's arguing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and whoever. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But there's one group he never challenges. And who would that be? It's because Jesus, as we're told repeatedly, obeyed all God's laws. Mm-hmm. Well, what group did he never challenge and argue with? The Was priests? This, the pre- the Levites. Ah, because they're chosen by God. So what's interesting is if he's not challenging that, and he's challenging, shall we say, the Pharisees and Sadducees, that kind of thing, because they're say. So
3: it never says he... Talked with, or discussed, or argued, or whatever, with Levites Uh, using that word Levites. I do not find that. And and never does it mention like talking with. Does he
4: talk to a priest? Ah, the people that bought the priest office, Ananias and Mm. Caiaphas. They are not from the tribe of Levite. Uh huh. They're appointed. In fact, one of your questions this evening talked about that uh, there were. How come there's two priests? Well, it's because. Caiaphas had been the priest until uh, Pontius Pilate came in. Mm-hmm. He didn't, for whatever reason, we don't know the drama, but he didn't like Caiaphas, so he appointed Ananias.
3: Who is his uh,
4: son son-in-law. son the son-in-law. Of Caiaphas. Now, not, his, a, not a Levite. Not. Uh, none of these guys are Levites. None of these guys are in the Sanhedrin. And actually, he they killed, and Pontius Pilate came in. He killed a bunch of the priests, and he sent the rest out of the temple, appointed at his own
3: people. And, or, or sold the priesthood, and the he, places. Well, yeah.
4: After he killed the real priest and sent the rest out of the temple to tell everybody how ruthless he is,
3: uh, then they sold the offices because they're going to raise taxes for Rome. That's one of the things I I, I I would tell our listeners: if you're reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the time and the life and times of Jesus, one of the things you need to be really in touch with and understand is that the level and the degree of political and even religious corruption in the system. Uh, I think we we are a little bit as Gentiles we're a little bit out of touch with the with the true picture of the Jewish history of what that era was like, like you say the 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 priesthood was compromised the Le- Levitical priesthood was they were out they, the positions were re- being salt and, uh, bought and sold by uh, the Roman authorities Romans and Herod the the, the the one people have money and they bought their positions on the Sanhedrin right, for example this is and all.
4: why we're told in the Book of Luke in the beginning that John the John the Baptist uh-huh. is, he's his mother and father. Both sides are Levites. So he's a real Levite. Well, the question is, why is he down at the Jordan River? How come he's not up in the temple? Because he's one of the survivors that was kicked out by Pontius Pilate. See? So, see, this all starts making sense. If you know the story, and people really know this, and people say all the time, Jesus never sinned. If he didn't sin, then Mm -hmm. he kept God's law. So all we got to do is know what those laws are, and we say, ah, this is why he never fought with the Levites, because that's God's law. That's who God appointed.
3: Very interesting. Yeah, I had not noticed that particular detail. And
4: and we're talking about questions, and one of the things, you and I've talked about in chapter 16. Uh Uh-huh. That's in the book of John, you know.
3: All right. Oh, uh, that – chapters 14 through 16 are some of my favorites. Because Jesus really spends a lot of time talking to them about God and about oh. the nature of the Godhead. He talks to them about the Holy Spirit. Uh, sure. He begins to anticipate his own death and leaving in an ascension and telling his disciples mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. this Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is, which I oh. evidently they recognized the term and they understood what he meant by it, uh, but the Holy Spirit, this paraclete in Greek, you know, the one who comes alongside, he's going to come now and he's going to uh, escort every believer. He's going to give you power. He's going to give you words. He's going to, uh, tra- pro- you know, uh, supervise the transformation process right. of your lives. So he talks about the Holy Spirit in those right. chapters. What what were you going to well, reference I just gonna in Chapter 16? Just the reason I smiled
4: just now is because when I was a kid,
3: I grew up up north, <laughs>
4: and a parakeet landed on my head. And that sounds like a joke, but it really did. Yeah, it landed yeah. on my head, and the guy with me put his finger out jumped in there. We got a box and took it home. But it was a real parakeet. Uh-huh. So when you said par- paraclete, paraclete, I thought, you know, like I, had a par- if you're a football I had a, player, yeah. Yeah, I had a par- parakeet land on my head. and so That's true, by the way. I got it. Uh, so, So I was going to say, look, talking about asking questions. If my, my theory is correct, the miracles, he can do miracles. Mm-hmm. He cannot do miracles. And that, for some
3: people, that was a, uh, a deciding factor. They go, wow, say, sure. he, no one could raise up the dead. No one could make the blind see, right. and the, they were impressed by that. Right. Other people look for intellectual or theological answers to the biblical questions. Right. But, uh, and if that's correct, mm-hmm.
4: then they're doing what ancient Judaism has always taught. You've got to ask a priest. If, and you got, but you got to kind of know the answer. Mm-hmm. And if a guy shows up and says, "I know a Messiah, you better know the answer because you're not going to know if he's telling you the truth or not. Mm-hmm. But
3: in whether char- or not he can do some tricks,
4: yes, because okay. uh, all those things are very impressive. But somebody might be able, if I'm a skilled ma- uh, magician, I might be able to trick you with sleight
3: of hand. As long as he teaches the Torah, he teaches God's word, and he does, and he does not. Introduce a different God. A different God, yes. Now, if I'm correct on this, and I, I think I am, but look
4: at what it says, even his disciples in chapter 16 of John, mm-hmm. and if you don't mind, we'll I'm take, there. A, take a look at, uh, oh, let's say, start at 29 and go through something like uh, 31. and Look what he says to his disciples, starting to say, at, oh, I don't know, 29.
3: Sixteen twenty nine. Look what he says,
4: said? and this is they're doing something here. Actually, what the uh, what you might say the Sadducees,
3: the Pharisees, the other people are doing. So Jesus has just given a very uh, a fairly lengthy little. Uh, A paragraph or two there about himself, about his role and his understanding of his role as the Messiah, and so on. He says, "I have spoken of these matters in figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the Father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not asking out. I'm not saying I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father Himself loves you dearly because you love Me, because." And believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Then his disciples said, at last you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything, and there's no special need to question you further. From this, we believe that you came from God. So evidently, question asking and answering Jesus was a part answer. of the process. Look at the
4: next answer.
3: Well, he said, do you now finally believe
4: me? Now he finally says, so now you do believe me. Now, so they were questioning, and he said, we don't have to ask you any more questions. Mm-hmm. Well, I take that as meaning as the old standard that, you know, you got to question the guy. you got to see if he knows what he is. But implicit in that is you've got to have a pretty good idea what the answer is.
3: So that you'll recognize that's the right. answer. if it, it.
4: So if that's what, if that's what, and I, I think it was what the Sadducees, Pharisees are doing, I'm going to tell you a little secret. Nobody wanted the Messiah more than the Jews. They wanted the Messiah. There were several guys in the book of Acts, two or three guys mentioned. They came along and pretended to be a Messiah. They failed. But... Everybody wanted the Messiah. Nobody wanted it more than Jews. Mm -hmm. Did you know that as small as Israel was, it took seven times the Roman soldiers to conquer Israel than it took to conquer the giant nation of England? I mean, the Jews just would not go along. So they took up seven times more Roman soldiers. Mm-hmm. So they were very hard to get along with. <laughs> so, but, but the, <laughs> There's
3: a joke in there somewhere, there is, but I right, won't go there. But I'm going to leave
4: it alone. But, anyway, but the point is, is that, uh, so you got them asking, and they say to him, you know, we don't have to ask you any more questions because you know. Well, implicit in that is they had to have a good idea. What
3: the but now this is. is just his disciples, right? This is his disciples. The, okay, yes. that, This is what I was trying to say is that yeah. instead of being monolithic, the Jews, yeah. because there were – you said that no one wanted the Messiah more than the Jews, yeah. but – some of them may not have wanted him for the same reason. Their understanding of his role sure. was not to be a savior, redeemer of the world, and, right. and save us from our sins. Oh yeah, but to, the guys who were buying the
4: offices and running the temple and all that, they did a little vicarish, a little, added a little bit on everything. You know, mm-hmm. They made some money, they made a good living. So they're not really open to the idea of a Messiah. The mm-hmm. thing we got a thing knocked here. No Jews in Israel at that time were rich unless they worked for the Romans or Herod. That's the only way somebody got money. Mm-hmm. At one time, 14 Jews had to live on one acre. Wow. So, and, then, and so what's happening is, these guys, as you say, they were corrupt. They knew, Caiphas knew, and, and I said, oh, those guys knew they were not Levites. They knew that. But they had good jobs now, and they were surviving.
3: So. so there's a, a, a set of the Jews who had a vested interest in the corrupt system. Yes. And, and so they weren't Absolutely. necessarily looking to rock the boat. Absolutely. Uh, uh, there were others who looked for answers, there were some who looked for miracles, there were some who looked for him fulfilling prophecies. Uh, they would note when he did something, and they would go, oh, this was in fulfillment of he was anyway, born in Bethlehem and lived in Nazareth, he had his headquarters of ministry in the north, you know the scene of great light and you know and so on, mm-hmm. so they would look and they would connect his the reality of his life and his ministry to these passages that they had understood to be messianic that they were descriptive of what the Messiah would be like and what his life and ministry would be like." So you've got all of these different backgrounds and all these di- – people. different some people were seminary graduates. Some people didn't have a high school education. I'm, I'm talking about it. I'm putting it in our language. They were uneducated. They were educated. There were uh, people – I mean, there's just all kinds of people responding you know, to what's Jesus. What's interesting is – and I know there's a
4: reference in the book of Acts about somebody saying, you guys are uneducated. I know that's there. But that, that's from the bad guys making the accusation. I will tell you, the Romans did not do this initially. But just this week I was at a Torah study, and we were talking about this with some very knowledgeable rabbis. Mm-hmm. Now, when the Babylonians conquered Israel, they implemented some immediate rules. The Romans were not like that. They wanted the money. So they told the Jews in every country they contacted, they just want the money. So they really didn't care what religion you were, as long as you paid money to Rome. So, But because the Jews kept rebelling and causing troubles, they finally implemented the Romans, the same rules that the Babylonians had.
3: But didn't several times, at least, the accusation of the Jewish authorities was that Jesus was upsetting uh, that he was speaking against Caesar that you know he yes uh, so that was there some uh, they wanted the money, but also I assume that the Romans wanted peace and order, and sure. they didn't want a bunch of chaos and rebellion okay. and so on
4: you don't want to upset the apple cart if everything's working
3: okay out. okay
4: so so you don't want a messiah showing up. So everything's good for the Romans, for Herod. Herod is not Jewish, and there's a law in the 613 in Deuteronomy that you cannot have a non-Jew be the king. Mm-hmm. Well, how he got to be king is the Romans appointed him. So there's no doubt about this that uh, they did not— these guys running the temple are— and I'm going to point out something to you. Look very careful when we read the gospel, especially John. It says things like, the rulers only when they're criticizing and they say Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, not saying that he was a Levite high priest, he was just appointed as the mm-hmm, high priest mm-hmm. that year. But they're always using words like the rulers and the, the quote unquote Jews. Mm-hmm. They're trying to I think they're trying to make a point that these guys are not who's supposed to be running the temple
3: but that's how it goes. Well that's good for us to understand when we read the Bible uh the Bible we have in our homes when you, folks when you read your Bible in church or at home and you read the New Testament it's good to understand that the the social the political social and religious situation in Jerusalem was far more chaotic, far more compromised, far more corrupt than we Imagine, and you, we need to have that in mind because you see Jesus functioning. He is there uh, having to run this gauntlet of uh, different people from these different the, – the Romans, uh, the Roman authorities, uh, the, the Jewish leaders, and the broad spectrum of Jewish expectations. There were people who were in on the take you know the Sanhedrin the religious leaders and so on we see Jesus often criticizing them directly uh so that was part of the reality uh but also there were there were people who truly sought after God there were simple good people who loved God and worship oh, God Oh that's what I wanted to mention
4: I I, I, talk, I got in my own way a minute ago uh-huh,
3: uh-huh. uh yes <laughs> you got in your own way that's yeah, good so.
4: What happened is, in the time, they did implement, eventually, the Romans implemented three rules, the three death penalties. They could not, the Jews, at, not initially, but eventually, they could not have the Torah the death Could penalty. not have a calendar? Could not have a Jewish calendar, because that tells you when to celebrate the holy days. Uh-huh. That's a death penalty. Three, they could not circumcise their boy children. Okay. So those became death penalties. Now... And you'll find that's why Jesus reads things from the prophets, because if he does, he's going to get a lot of people in a lot of trouble. But this is how the Jews handled it. And over 72% of everything Jesus says in the Gospels, and we've calculated this Uh out, comes directly from the book of Deuteronomy. Now, at that time, the Jews taught their children to memorize the book of Deuteronomy. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, very much is interesting. So Jesus yeah. would be quoting things that the people were taught. So when they say, I know an axiom says, you guys are illiterate, you know, you don't know, you're not studying. Well, I, I have to take that in the context of what's really going on. Why would these guys running the place, who probably should not be running the place, criticize these disciples of Jesus? But I also know that they weren't stupid, it would be highly, highly unusual for them not to have been taught and memorized the book of Deuteronomy. Now, if they memorized the book of Deuteronomy, they will know chapter 13, chapter 18 about you got to ask the Messiah and he's got to say this stuff. Mm-hmm. They would know that. And, uh, and so the way I read it, I'm not saying I'm right, but... Everybody comes to a compromise in how they understand stuff, and I think that these guys were doing what they were supposed to do, asking questions. How do you think Jesus
3: did? just from as you read the uh, I the can gospel? tell you this. Did he seem to I can tell you answer this. questions well. I hope you're sitting down. I am.
4: Uh-huh. John, you're sitting down? Yeah, he said yes. Um, and I did this with, with help, not just myself. We looked up each and everything, the Pharisees, Sadducees said. Every one of them. None of them at that time is or ever has been Jewish law. And man, I said, what's wrong? All my life I've heard from Christian friends that they were teaching the law. And now we discovered not one of them is or ever has been. So then we got the bright idea, let's check out Jesus. So we went back and looked at all his. And I'm going to tell you, frankly, I cannot find one that he got wrong. Hmm. Isn't that interesting? He got it right. It seems to be. Interesting.
3: And I, I was not working by myself. And some was. of those are planted questions. I remember that question they asked him about, there were seven brothers and they were had seven wives right. and then they all mm-hmm. died. And so whose wife is she when they get to heaven and right. so on? Mm-hmm. Uh, some of those were pretty kind of ridiculous questions. And it's such all, but, a
4: simple answer. Uh-huh. All those things that he does are s- so easy and simple to answer. They're not complicated. And he does but well. He does well. In, in, from and your evaluation. That's right, of... that's right. And, of course, I am an expert in my opinion. <laughs> but I've got to tell you, it's – the only way you're going to unravel the answers is if you know God's laws from the Torah. Mm-hmm. If you apply the God's laws from the Torah, then they'll say, oh, well, this stuff all makes sense now.
3: Kind of like the book of Judges, you know, 613 uh, they laws, they go, and you have same to— Same thing.
4: So like when they—example, they give Jesus a coin, they, and he looks mm-hmm. at it, and he says, hey, who's, uh, who's picture on that coin? So well, render to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Now, why would he say that? Because in Deuteronomy chapter 23, what is the law? If you find property that's it belongs to somebody else. That belongs to somebody else, you're commanded by God to return it to the owner. So he's saying, oh, that's his picture. It belongs to him. Give it to him.
3: <laughs> that's, that's so simple and straightforward. Yeah, and that, and every I've never heard those that things, perspective well, before.
4: I know. And every one of these things, when I went through these, I said, you know what? These things are pretty straightforward and very simple answers. But you're only going to know the answer if you're familiar with the law you know and the, the Torah. Torah. And if you don't, mm-hmm. you won't know if his answers are correct or not. And seventy-two percent of the of over his seventy-two, like se- quoting of the scripture yeah, comes from
3: Deuteronomy. Yeah, so I round it off, say seven, which is the the second so, giving of the law from Moses at the just before the people right. crossed over the yeah. Jordan into right. Canaan. So he does get them correct. Okay, so
4: there's no issue about that. So,
3: I can't believe our music has come up again. Not, we, uh, we,
4: and before we go, I want to say, when we come back, it, with your consent, going uh-huh. are doing the Book of John, and I know you like this, uh-huh. because uh, you'll like it, but... Um, Let's talk about the resurrection and Easter because it's all in the Book yeah. of John, and maybe we can let you address that
3: a little bit. Yeah, a great part of the Gospel of John takes place in the last week of his life. It does two seem thirds to be of that. It, I believe the last yeah. two thirds. Well, folks, give us a call to 340-9585. zero ninety five eighty five. Don't give pressure, us a call; and we'll talk. Meds.
0: You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
3: All right, we are back for our final segment, uh, final 30 minutes. If you'd like to get on the program and talk to us a bit about, again, we're, we're looking at the Gospel of John. And we're trying to consider tonight in some ways. Now, you can talk about anything you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. 210-340-9585. Jerry's waiting on the line. We'll go and visit with him in just a moment. That's your friend. Uh, I know. Yeah. My one good true friend, Jerry's Is Jerry's your only friend? I thought, what about me? <laughs> you, yeah, oh, you. Boy. but you're here. Okay, now, but what we're trying to say is you give us a call, 340-9585. Sophie, I want to
4: give you a chance to redeem yourself. Yes. And John brought it up. Uh-huh. You better mention your wife as your friend.
3: Oh, yes. Thank you. Thank you very much, John. That that That's understood. My best friend. That's right. So anyway, uh, if you'd like to call, we'd love to talk to you. And particularly, we're trying to address the topic tonight of the, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior, Christology. And remember the name Jesus, Jesus Christ. Christ is not his last name, like Thompson or, or, or Johnson or something. Uh, Jesus, it, Jesus of Nazareth. What
4: would, what would have been, as a Jew, what would have been his name? Do you know?
3: Jesus of Nazareth, I suppose. no, no,
4: no that's where he's from.
3: Okay, but I don't know. Okay, son yeah. of uh, Joseph.
4: There you go. His name would have been Yeshua, Bar- Yeshua Bar Joseph, or in other words, Jesus, son, son of, of Joseph. Joseph. That would have been his name.
3: Okay, but he's never used. Isn't that odd? I I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there's a good question there. Uh, of course, he wasn't yeah. Joseph's. He was Joseph's son legally, I assume. Adopted, sure. But, but you know, there's a big point made of the fact that he was not actually his blood kin. Right. Uh, so it, very interesting. Well, anyway, uh, Jerry's on the phone. Let's go get that. Okay. If you got to talk to your friend, okay. Uh, I do. I do need to talk to Jerry. Let him set you straight. Jerry's going to be on my side.
5: Oh okay. you well, inside, I, actually, right? <laughs> actually, I, I guess you wouldn't say I'm a Jew. I'm adopted as a Jew. All right, that's okay. According. See there, see there.
3: I no, was, just, I, I, I was I, just stirring up trouble, Jerry. I was just trying to get it. You can tell us anything you'd like. You're our pal, both of us.
5: Okay, I hit like this one out. <laughs> I don't know how that happens? There we go. So we'll make it work. Um, yeah, that's funny. It's the guy up the zip ties almost hit the. <laughs> I'll try to get back on the subject here. Okay. Uh, yeah, this, uh, it was, You were asking about the, the resurrection and uh, understanding some things about that. It's interesting that I think the specifics are Jesus was saying the sign of the resurrection wasn't just uh, a day and a half, but he was saying, as Jonah was three and a half days in the belly of the earth, or in the heart of the fish, so would he be in the belly of the earth for three and a half days. And that was one of the signs, he said, the only sign I'm going to give to who I was. So that was, uh, that was an important thing. I think it, I think sometimes the chronology of things, we kind of get mixed up because we come a lot from a background that's influenced by, uh, actually, Mithraism is the influencing factor that came in through Catholicism. And, uh, so we, we kind of have a lot of traditions that are kind of like, not necessarily exactly what the original traditions were. Uh, it's kind of interesting too that I do you heard of Polycrates?
3: Polycrates? No, I don't know. Not,
5: Poly, not Polycarp. He was a, he was a bishop um, that had come from Jerusalem. Had at least his family come from Jerusalem? He was, I think he was eighth in the line. Uh-huh. And
3: what's what his name oh, again? Say the name again.
5: Polycrates. P o l y c r a t e s. Sort of like Polycarp, but Polycrates. And. Uh, He had a controversy with Pope Victor. Pope Victor was saying, okay, you're going to all have to give up the Passover celebration and you're going to have to keep uh, Easter. And he said, well, we haven't done that. He said, I'm from a lot of bishops, and uh, he said, uh, I know John the Apostle, I know Philip, uh, I know Polycarp, and he said uh, we've kept the traditions. And my family was kept the traditions when they were throwing out the leaven each year. And uh, and we were never taught that there was anything but the Passover was to be celebrated, at least the Passover in, in, in the sense of, of you know celebrating Jesus. But uh, the Catholicisms. Being uh, influenced by Mithraism and uh, paganism uh, took on so many many things and brought them into the Christian uh, way of thinking and you lose the, the perspective of saying okay he was three and a half days uh, and it also may imply a couple of things. It may imply maybe the, the year and the date about when he was crucified. And also, um, another thing, too, is a lot of people are thinking, well, he was he was raised on Sunday. Well, if, regardless of whether he was raised on Sunday or not, that Sunday was not a Sunday. Or, or, uh, it was actually uh, the day of the wave sheaf offering when which the priest offered uh, the barley loaf, and also the wave sheaf, and that barley loaf was an unleavened loaf, and it was offered. And whereas uh, it was also the day you counted Pentecost from, which was uh, fifty days later, and on that. That offering time, they had a a leavened loaf, which is interesting symbolically too. Uh, So there are implications of of things that we don't realize that are taken, maybe taken away from us because our understanding, our understanding was taken away because we have not recognized that the original uh, teachings of 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 Passover, atonement, and all of these uh, feast days and everything taught us about who He was. Instead, we got this kind of a paganized sun god. Uh, Mithra, with Jesus wrapped into it, kind of, of religion that mm-hmm. has been such such an extensive uh, thing that influenced Christianity. Now, when, you're, we, we've when lost.
3: you're understanding of those things that you're talking about, are you, are you getting that out of the Tanakh, out of the Hebrew Scriptures? Or is that coming from well, secular history? Or where, where are you getting some of these ideas? Well,
5: you're, they're, they're, they're so those things are historical, obviously, you know, like Polycarp's, uh, I mean, uh, Polycrates, uh, treatise on, on that. You can look that up under the Quarto Deciman Controversy. It's was called, Quarto Deciman which means the 14th uh, day. And uh, there was controversy, and that was a big thing. And then, the, the, finally, this was a fight that was going on for years and years between uh, the Catholic, uh, the Roman Church, so call it that, uh, and, uh, and, and uh, and those that were, were believing in uh, some of the traditions, and they, there was such an a aversion, supposedly an aversion to anything that was Jewish, and it became uh, another another thing. But it didn't mean it was wrong. Yeah. It just meant that uh, that it was uh, that there was a prejudice against it, and it also subverted. I think understanding some basic understanding because of uh, mytha, and if you've ever seen on TV the uh, the, the gentleman that's uh, known as the naked archaeologist uh, Jacoby, I can't remember his name right now, but uh, known as the naked archaeologist, and he he's a Jewish gentleman that goes and finds all kinds of things. He's also a friend of mine is is uh, I've known for some years is, is James Tabor. Wow. He's and a writer.
4: And, and listen, to Jerry. But, um, I hear you mentioning a lot of things, and it's all interesting. But and I hear you mentioning Mithra. But and I I I, I understand you know who Mithra was, and I understand that probably a big segment of our audience does not. Mm-hmm. And I also know that the the particular priest you are talking about later also spun off Marcion. Uh, you are familiar with Marcion.
5: Not as much, huh? no, okay. not so
4: much. You know, so that all went out that way, and those things ended up being declared heresies, especially among the Catholic Church. And what I would like to suggest is, because I don't want people to think that Mithra <laughs> is uh, is where the idea of a lot, as you say, the pagan Christianity comes from, because as I understand it, and I could be wrong, but I understand it, that Christianity can take a sinner, let's say, And it converts something to being Christian. That's my understanding of the Christian scriptures, the New Testament. And so while I know what you're talking about, Mithra, I do understand that. That's one of those mystery religions, and I I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, But at the same time, wouldn't it be fair to say that the idea of Christianity can take something that appears to be pagan and convert it? something that's uh, not pagan, but now it's been redeemed, shall we say, by Christianity.
5: Well, it, it's interesting. Uh, I, I know that uh, there was a scripture that kind of struck in my mind. It's sort of like that, related to, I think, um, it said there's a the kingdom of heaven is like a woman who took so many measures of meal and put leaven in it, and leavened the whole lump. Uh-huh. And so leavening is typical uh, uh, you know, so, uh, re- reference to sin or something that's taken away, where the pureness and wholeness of, and the simplicity is taken away, and so it's possible that that is the implication of that the whole lump being 11, mm-hmm. but still, you know, knowledge can be leavened, and you can miss a lot of things. I mean, I'm I'm just really frowning out, and we were talking about this the other night too, mm-hmm. briefly, uh, about the uh, Noahide laws and, and what's going on there, wow. that is a I real I remember you concern. calling
4: in. You called in a while back yeah. with the <laughs> Noahide law question.
5: Yeah, yeah. And that was a real concern, because I've been finding things about it and finding out what's going on, and essentially, uh, those that are promoting it are uh, Orthodox Shabbat Lubavitch Jews, and they're they're anticipating uh, setting up the Noahide laws, which also would probably end up being, because those that are Christian would be considered, those that are seriously Christians that, that, that really believe that Jesus is, is God, are going to be those that are considered of the most pagan and idolaters. Actually, may more I
4: give you a little elucidation on it, because I actually maintain a membership in that group, so I, I have more than one membership, so I have a working familiarity with it, and I just want to say, uh, if I may, that um, actually this has been a debate among especially the religious Jews, especially Orthodox Jews, and the ultimate, there's always people have differing opinions, but among the Jews... Christians are not considered pagans at all. And Christians are considered, they will go, as you would put it, go to heaven, but they're not considered among Jews to be pagans.
5: Singer is among those that, that does say so. <laughs> a singer, I forgot his name. Isaac um, and other,
4: Singer, I know who you're talking about.
5: Yeah, he does, and there are a lot of others that are written. And uh, one of the, th- the ones that I saw recently was... Uh, um, whole oh, I love it. I can't. That's okay. It's it okay, Jerry. Yeah, but it's, but I, it's a video. I'll try to get right. the information. Yeah, I
4: understand. And, uh, but uh, at any rate, uh, I, I want to swing us back if please, I can. Thank you, ahead, Jerry, so for, for yeah. calling
3: in. We appreciate hearing from you. And, and like I said, anybody can ask anything and talk. But here toward our last minutes, I want to swing us back to uh, I, I, all of these things, historical things, the Catholic Church and the development of in church, church history, the things that happened and the and the holidays and this sort of thing. Uh, they can be interesting, but, of course, what we're focused on is this book. And we're trying to just, to some degree, limit ourselves what this book says, what it says, what it teaches, who the characters in it, how to understand this book, its accuracy, what the things that happened – and so uh, I'd like, just in these last minutes, we're talking about the Gospel of John.
4: Right. Listen, you know, speaking of that, there is mm-hmm. something that's fascinating. Mm-hmm.
3: Do you remember during uh, the Last Supper? It's called, or actually, it's
4: Passover. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a uh, one disciple that put his head on Jesus' chest. As mm-hmm. they say, who was
3: that? John himself, John, we think.
4: Okay, now look at eighteen.
3: He calls himself the the disciple whom Jesus loved. Who Jesus right? loved? Yes. He was evidently the youngest. Okay. Of the of the group, that's kind of what we get. Okay. He, um, the idea, I, I think, um, of course, he, who, he writes oh. Revelation and, and the Epistles of John decades, decades mm-hmm. later. You know, but he was he and lived we, longer and than who the was others. was
4: John and James'
3: father? Zebedee.
4: Ah, and Sons this, of Thunder. Okay, but Zebedee, does that name suggest any particular tribe he would be from? Uh, yes, you're right. Zebedee. Zebulon. There you go. Zebr- what? Zebulon. Zebulon. Okay. okay. Now, we know that uh, in one of the other Gospels that his dad was Zebedee, as you said. And uh, we also know that evidently he's on the Sanhedrin.
3: Hmm. Okay. Ah,
4: okay. Yeah. Uh, and how we also know something else. So take a look in John chapter 18. Interesting passage. You mm-hmm. got chapter 18 around?
3: Uh, I do. That's I right.
4: Have. That's between uh, 17 and 19. They, oh, they right. tuck it right in there.
3: Yeah, even even in those days, huh?
4: Yeah, yeah even in those days. <laughs> now, you know, what's interesting is now. Okay, what do you say, want me to look up? Yeah, well, let's take a look and let's start at uh, – Oh, let me see here, verse uh, 14 and 15, listen, 14, 15, 16, take a look at what it says there.
3: Caiaphas was the one who had told the other Jewish leaders, it's better that one man should die for the people. Uh-huh. Oh, um, well, this, is, this is when they arrested Jesus in Gethsemane, Uh and they took him to Annas, the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest. Caiaphas was the one who told the Jewish leaders it's better that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus. I know where you're going with this. As did another disciple, other Uh disciple, another of the disciples, and we think that was John. That other disciple was acquainted with the high priest, so he wow. was allowed to enter the high priest's courtyard with Jesus. Ah. Peter had to stay outside the gate. Right. Then the disciple who knew the high priest spoke to the woman watching at the gate, and she let Peter in.
4: Ah, now let's pause. Look what's going on. Uh-huh. So let's get the picture, like we're watching a a movie uh-huh. or a play or whatever. So Peter can't go in? Why? He's not connected. He's not connected. But John... Is the son because of Zebedee, Zebedee is on the uh, Sanhedrin? As we've learned, he's on the Sanhedrin, so the high priest knows who he is. Uh-huh. He, he's one of their guys' sons, so we have a little drama going on here. Mm-hmm. Here's one of the. Our, it's a family fight. What you got? You got Zebedee doesn't want his kids led astray by a guy that may not be the Messiah. Mm-hmm. So what happens is John, as it says, can go in, but Peter gets stopped at the gate. And then he goes back in verse uh, sixteen. Let's see, eighteen, sixteen. And he goes back, and he says, "Let him in." And he is is well connected enough. He takes Peter in. Now everybody talks. About Peter denying Jesus three times, that's a popular mm-hmm.
3: motif in the Christian world, mm-hmm. is it not of course, because uh, yeah, we see Jesus predicted ah uh-huh. because so, he said i'll never i'll never i'll never do it but we know
4: that he said reject you will three you times or, yeah. and he does now I want to present a more <clears throat> difficult question to you if he denied Jesus three times, as jesus predicted, that's one thing. But now, in this trial with Jesus, you have John, Mm -hmm. the son of Zebedee. Mm -hmm. And he stood there and watched the trial and said nothing. Mm -hmm. He didn't speak up for him, was a witness for him. He kept his mouth shut. So I don't know how you're going to judge who's worse, Peter denying him to save his own skin or John being in the trial and not speaking up. One can only imagine what was going on between John and his father, Zebedee. His dad, Zebedee, is a big shot in there. So you got some tension going, because if if I had a child, and I doubted seriously that Mm -hmm. somebody was really the Messiah or something, I want to save my child. Mm -hmm. And I say, I don't want you misled by some comer, you know. Anyway, So maybe that drama's going on, but what we got here is you got John in there during the trial and nothing is ever said on behalf mm-hmm. of Jesus. Isn't don't you find that fascinating?
3: Well, it's interesting. I I it's understandable. I'm you know, um I guess Jesus talked to them about this. He said I'm going to be bound and I'm going to do this and Peter said, "No, we'll never let him do that." And I'm sure that the disciples weren't you know, they didn't want it to happen to their friend, to their mentor, to their teacher, their rabbi, the Messiah. Oh. Yet, on the other hand, they lived in the real world, and they knew these people, and they knew what would happen to them if they spoke up. Mm-hmm. They would be up on that cross next to him, evidently. So, I, you know, I, I get it. I understand yeah. the, 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 human, the right. environment.
4: And there was uh, no trees left for 12 miles in any direction of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. That's how many people were crucified. So they were not shy on crucifixion.
3: No, 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 they weren't.
4: All right, so what's interesting is that Jesus gets crucified, and he gets buried, of course. Mm-hmm.
3: And In the uh, tomb of this wealthy man, and right. Nicodemus helps bring him down. And, and, I mean, we see some names in there that we recognize, and we don't know what's exactly behind it, but Nicodemus must have Well, it says
4: in one of the Psalms, I believe 22 it is, I think it says, he was buried among other people and so Mm -hmm. on. So it has to be written out there In
3: a wealthy man's tomb, Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm.
4: So what you've got is, is, uh, in chapter 19, you've got Jesus being, they put a robe on him, a crown of thorns. The crown of thorns, I'm going to suggest is symbolic of the ram on Mount Sinai. Getting his head, his horns his horns caught up there, so he's got this crown of thorns, and the robe is on him, and uh, and he gets scourged and he's beaten, and so then it's the and on the nineteen fourteen. Look at nineteen fourteen. It says, "Now it was the day of preparation for the Passover, mm-hmm. a day of prayer. Says, this is one of the nice things about John. He labels these things. Mm-hmm. Some of the gospel just say it was a preparation day, and people think, "Well, that must be Friday because Saturday is the Sabbath." Mm-hmm. That week has two Sabbaths. Sabbaths. Uh-huh. It has Saturday and it has Passover. Both of them are Sabbaths, but they're telling you it's the preparation day for Passover. So, that would be the day before Passover, right? What verse is that? Uh, 1914. Okay, got it. Uh So, it's the preparation day before Passover. And it was about the sixth hour, and Jesus died. And then he says, as we know in one of the Gospels, it says something about, uh, it is in the verse, uh, I believe it's 19 or 20. I guess it's still 19, and look at verse
3: uh, 30. Are you talking about Pilate posted a sign over him that read uh, Jesus?
4: Not, no, but you can talk about that if you want. No, what? What? I was Pi- looking at number 30, verse what, 30. What
3: chapter? 19. Oh, 19, 30, 30, 30. Okay, I'm there.
4: Okay, look what it says.
3: When Jesus had tasted the hyssop branch and the sponge that they put to his lips, he said, It is finished. Uh, then he now, bowed his head and released his spirit.
4: And he gave up his spirit, yes. Uh-huh. Now, this is the interesting part. And there's difference of opinion on this, but in, from my point of view, is that his resurrection, which is going to occur, mm-hmm. is at least as important as his death. Yeah,
3: I think so. At yeah, least. Sure. I'm sure,
4: going to yeah. say more. Yeah. So here's the idea. If he says, it is finished, what is finished? Because it tells us that he dies then. I'm going to suggest this traditional Jewish stuff. What's finished is Passover.
3: Passover's over. Isn't
4: that fascinating?
3: Yeah, so what happens at the end of Passover? Uh, it's over. Passover is now completed.
4: And then three days later, at twilight, and how do we know it's twilight? Well, why
3: would you say that? In other words, I I meant the question about at the end of a normal Passover... Observance, uh-huh. what happens at yes. the end? It's the Passover's over. And everybody- I know, but what happens specifically in the Passover meal? Uh-huh, yes. Is there a lamb? Is there a this? Or is there oh, a yeah, that? Well, is-
4: you go through the meal and you go through the four cups
3: of wine and all that kind of stuff. Uh-huh.
4: So you do every bit of stuff that's actually kind of recorded here.
3: And the Passover uh-huh. is the picture of the redemptive, God redeeming, taking the people of Egypt out of. Out of Egypt. Yeah, out of Egypt. Yeah, that so. meal. And, That's right. And mm-hmm. a, a, a salvation moment. Uh, He's yes. taking them out. Uh, okay. It's the holiday of So you're saying Some that Jesus is. might have been, mm-hmm. when he said it is finished, it's not uh, just about I finished my task or I finished my life or right. I finished the redemptive plan right. is now complete. I've right. died for the, it's over. But he may have said, he may have been referencing the Passover. Right. Since he the is the of ultimate Passover, Passover lamb, it's now finished. Okay.
4: And if that that happens, and then three days later, three days, three nights, uh, he would resurrect. And when would he resurrect? It tells us in Exodus chapter, when he was crucified, uh, would have been the time the lambs are offered in Exodus chapter 12, which says at twilight. What is twilight? Twilight's that time between when the sun is going down, but before the first stars appear. That little gap of time and space. That's twilight, and it says that's when the lamb will be offered. So if that happened, let's say on Thursday afternoon, let's say, so you got, uh, or then you got Thursday, Friday, and Saturday at twilight, before it's really become Sunday, mm-hmm. he resurrects. Okay, I, I'm just moving this along because of
3: time. And you're saying that's that's fits with the old the old, the Old Testament, yes, yes, pattern prediction. I am there. saying that uh-huh. yes. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. if
4: that took place, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now, when he resurrects, let see, is it the... Uh, oh,
3: yeah, the resurrection is definitely as important, <laughs> I mean, uh, the atonement is accomplished at the cross, the the the, uh, the new life, the power that, the, that is available now, the power of the resurrection, the new life, uh, comes from the idea of the, a dead man came out of the grave, you know, he... And he lives forever. I mean, that was that was predicted of the Messiah as well. So yeah, that was definitely. In fact, is sometimes I, sometimes I've thought it might be a little unfortunate that the cross has become the symbol. But I don't know how you could make a, an empty tomb into a something you hang around oh, your no, neck. Oh no, time you know? is over. But it was anyway. Very so much next important.
4: Easter, I mean next Sunday is Easter or as you call it, yep. Resurrection mm-hmm. Sunday.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, and so that's important to the to the Christians. That's right. I think that ought to be mentioned. All right. And I would like to say, ending that, uh, you should always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent.
3: And I say a hearty amen. Have a great Easter week, everyone. We'll see you next Sunday night, Easter Sunday. Bye-bye. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry mailing address is P.O. Box 1888. That's Box 1888, San Antonio, Texas 78218.
0: Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Sophie every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The, the Bible, Bible Live, Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about SOPI and the Bible Live Broadcast.
3: You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.